Good morning. This is a good day, isn't it? Beautiful outside. My name is Pastor Ralph Deal. I'm the senior pastor here. I've been pastoring in this church since 1980 when it began. I actually began my ministry in 1976 as the co-pastor of the Waterloo Church of Christ here in town, which became Calvary Chapel Waterloo, which became New Hope Christian Center. So in one church, there's a long time. I've seen a lot of things, and uh, I want to help hopefully alleviate some of those things this morning because we're talking about peopling. It's a word that Pastor Adam created to talk about how we relate to one another. The Bible is full of these one another statements, how we should treat one another. One of the best known is John chapter 13, verse 34, where it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. The problem Jesus made here is he did not define what love means. So we all have to define that in our own mind, in the way we, we see it. And unfortunately, not all of us are, really have a good, tight relationship with God, so we get this love thing messed up. So I want to talk a little bit about that, because I want to talk about the taboo topic in church, sexual intimacy, because a lot of people think that that's what love is. And so it's carried over way outside of bounds because I love that person. No, that's not what sexual intimacy is. So I need to unpack that a little bit and talk about that. So why am I talking about this in mixed company when we have some young people in here? Let me give you five reasons. Number one, because they teach sexual education in the public schools in the sixth grade. They do. They teach it. And what they teach is the curriculum that the state gives them. They have to teach that. That's why I'm going to bring it from God's perspective. Here's a second reason. Because I have witnessed in my many years of ministry, I have witnessed many failed marriages and loveless marriages because people didn't understand the spiritual significance of this sexual intimacy thing in marriage. My third reason is because the word love is confused by this generation. They don't understand what love means. So we need to talk about that. And the fourth reason, because the church has stuck its head in the sand for too long. This sexual intimacy is a major issue in this world today, in our culture. And the church has just ignored it because we've been afraid of it. That's why Christian parents have abdicated their responsibility to teach these things to their children to the schools. And the fifth reason is because when the pastors were putting together this series, they decided somebody ought to talk about this. Nobody wanted to talk about it, so I got stuck <laughs> with the topic. So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse 1. This is going to be our springboard. Now, for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have, have sexual relations with his own wife, and each woman with her own husband. You see, it's talking about marriage. 
wife, not man and woman, it's husband and wife. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. We're going to jump to verse 9. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Pretty strong communication here he's given us. And I want to kind of unpack it by giving some rules. God's rules. Not the world's rules. God's rules. And they're not rules you have to follow. But if you want to have his blessing and his favor in your life, you have to follow these rules. He gave us these guidelines for a reason. Here's, here's number one. Keep the marriage bed pure. I'm reading from Hebrews chapter 13, 4, because I, I think this is a spiritual topic, so we need to see what the Word says. Yep. Thirteen four says, Have respect for marriage. Always be faithful to your partner, because God will punish anyone who is immoral or unfaithful in marriage. I've watched this happen for 40 some years. When somebody's unfaithful, they think they get away with it. And it's just a matter of time before it blows up in their faith and there's way in their face and there's way more pain on the inside and it never goes away. So, keep the marriage bed pure. The King James Version, excuse me, the yeah, the NIV says keep the marriage bed pure. The King James Version says keep it undefiled. Keep it clean. Keep it right. You see, God created sexual intimacy. It was his idea. Yep. He created Adam and Eve, male and female, and he put them in the Garden of Eden. The circumstances looked like this. They were naked and unashamed. That's in your Bible. That's about the only thing we know about their relationship and the environment that God placed them in. They were naked and unashamed. Unashamed means free. They had freedom in their life. Then they sinned. They broke the rule. They crossed the line. They did what God told them to do. The very thing he told them, the only thing he told them not to do was don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because then something will be opened in your understanding. So they went and they did it. They did the one thing God told them not to do. They crossed that barrier. And the, the, the first thing we read that we know they sinned and crossed a line is they looked at each other and they saw they were naked and they hid themselves. They lost the freedom. They lost the relationship. This is more spiritual than we realize. So that's the first rule. I got seven of these, so I got to move. Here's number two. We find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Or do you not know that wrongdoers 
will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men. Sexual sin is forbidden. This is crucial. Notice a couple things about this. First, I want us to see that last phrase, men who have sex with men, is really a very awkward Greek uh, structure to be able to translate because it's talking about the, the, the dominant masculine and the submissive masculine. It's talking about two different kinds of men together. That's a taboo. But the other thing I want us to see is it's in the same category as immorality, which is what watching porn is. You get that? Same context. One's not worse than the other. They're both in the same category, both in the same camp. And here's the big clincher. These people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Point blank. Exclamation point on the end of that if you want to put it there. That doesn't mean they're not going to go to heaven. It means they're not going to step into and enjoy the kingdom of God. I live in the kingdom of God, which means I'm a part of the family of God. I'm a part of the promises of God. I'm a part of the blessings of God. And I interrelate with my brothers and sisters in an amazing way. And it's the church of Jesus Christ. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. And I claim his promises and I pray his promises. God's a good God. And he wants to do good things in my life and your life. But to compromise in this area crosses the line and we don't get to enjoy the benefits of the kingdom of God. It has nothing to do with not going to heaven. You see the difference? Because the church, the church has misinterpreted this and we've gone after people who live this kind of lifestyle out of ignorance. We've gone after them as if they're the enemy. We're to win them over. How are you going to win them over by calling them names? How are you going to win them over by persecuting them? How are you going to do that? We're supposed to love one another. Love people into the kingdom. Here's number three. So sexual sin is forbidden if I didn't give you that one. Okay, it's on the board. Good. Number three, third thing. If God forgives, so should his people. I'm putting this in the context of sexual breakdown. First, uh, excuse me, First John chapter one verse nine says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness." So when somebody finally goes through enough hurt in their life, trying to find freedom. And they keep crossing all these lines because they can't control their passions. When they finally open their eyes and realize this isn't the way I want to live. You know, I'm messing everything up. I'm hurting everybody in my life. I don't, I don't want to live like this. When they finally realize this and they repent and they turn from their, what the Bible calls wicked ways, God forgives them. Did you know that? God forgives, wipes the slate clean. It's a new beginning. No, if God forgives them, That's our responsibility. We're the church of God. We're the church of Jesus Christ. His spirit lives inside of us. We ought to be forgiving. 
When somebody realizes they've taken a wrong turn and they want to turn around and come back the right way, we need to put our arms around them and embrace them. We need to welcome them into the kingdom of God because that's when they can step in. No matter how old you are, no matter how many times you've messed up along the way, all you have to do is repent, ask God to forgive you, and it's a fresh start. It's a new beginning. So the point is, if God forgives, so should we, His people. We live in a fallen world. Especially in the American culture, we are great exporters. We export everything, including our sexual immorality. We're great exporters of pornography all over the world. I mean, the questionable sitcoms that we have in America, we broadcast all over the world. Everybody watches it, translates it into different languages. We export our immorality. And the rest of the world looks at us and hates us because that's not a part of their culture. That's why Muslims hate us. You know that? Because they, they, they watch these primetime TV shows that we produce over there. They watch those things and they think we're all like that. God, wake us up. Let's go to number four. I'm going to read uh, from Malachi chapter 2 verse 15. Has not the one God made you? You belong to Him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. It doesn't mean for you to have lots of godly babies. It means for you to be a child of God. That's godly in nature. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The wife of your youth. I'm old enough to have looked back over my life. And I've seen a whole lot of changes in our culture. I've seen a whole lot of changes in me, in myself. A lot of changes in you, a whole lot of changes in our church. But a man is to be faithful to the wife of his youth. Well, she doesn't look like she used to anymore. Neither do you, Tubby. (laughs) Look in the mirror. Be faithful to the wife of your youth. She took that beautiful body she had and had God knows how many babies, and that took a toll on her life. And so does gravity. We're to be faithful to the wife of our youth. So stay on your guard because there's always a younger generation that looks like she used to look. That's none of your business. That's the next generation's business. Stay faithful to your spouse. The wife of your youth. She's not maybe young anymore. She's more mature than she was back then. She got her head on straight today. She didn't back then when she married you. (laughs) Number five. Here's the fifth thing. In other words, marriage is a long-term relationship. That's the point if you'd like to take notes. By the way, I know we have a lot of single people here that aren't married, but you ought to take good notes 
Because one of these days you may reflect back and say, what did Pastor Deal say? What was he said? Number five, do not wrong a brother or a sister. First Thessalonians chapter four, verses three through verse six says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. That means holy, set apart for a holy purpose. Put your life in God's hands. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or a sister. Nothing's more pathetic than, than somebody who can't hold a relationship together coming to church to find a spouse, a husband or a wife, because they end up hurting the other person. We're supposed to strengthen one another. We're supposed to build one another up, not tear one another down, just to use somebody for our personal advantage. We don't do that. Sanctified means holy, set apart. Controlling your body is something that we learn. It's not something when you finally get a certain age, then you, then you, you no longer have these desires. I thought that was true till I got the age I am now, and I've finally given up hope that it's ever going to happen. <laughs> Passionate lust comes from what you feed your mind. So we all have to ask ourselves, what are we feeding our mind? All of us in this room, all of us watching from home, we have to ask ourselves, what are we feeding our mind? You keep putting garbage in there, you can't help but start seeing garbage at everything you look at. We need to stop it. Purify our mind. Because we have to protect the family of God. Amen. All right, let's go to number six. The point is, keep the fire burning. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. says, may your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Uh, back a, a little bit in verse 15, he says, drink water from your own cistern. Go. Don't go around looking at somebody else's cistern. Drink water from your own cistern. He's not saying don't do it, he's saying do it. Drink, go, drink water from your own system. Build cistern, build your own relationship. The last sentence, he says, she's a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. How many are surprised that's even in the Bible? <laughs> it's in there for a reason. Yep. God wants there to be freedom in the relationship between a husband and his wife in that intimacy. This is God's will. If your marriage is broken, get it fixed. Don't just, it's it, it just pride that you hang on to that and blame, blame everybody else for your problems. If you got a broken marriage, go talk to somebody. There's professionals that, yeah, you have to pay, but isn't it worth it? Get it fixed. 
For some of us, the fire needs rekindled. It's just gone out. We need it rekindled. Keep your fire burning. Here's number seven. This is a picture of Christ and his church. This is way more spiritual than we thought it was. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 and 32, it says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. It's a spiritual mystery. We can't understand it. I wish I could stand up here and explain it to you, but it's a mystery. And nobody understands it. But he's talking, the, the, the relationship between a husband and wife in the marriage relationship, that intimacy, that open intimacy experience is a picture of the relationship we're supposed to have with Jesus Christ. Open. Freedom. Where he can talk to us about anything and we'll listen. We can talk to him about anything and we trust his answer. That kind of intimacy. So this sexual intimacy is the sign of the covenant of marriage. You want to be married? God gave us a sign. It's good. God created everything. He stood back and he said, it is good. It's the world that's made it bad. So Satan fights that intimacy with everything he's got. Wants to do everything he can to bind us up, take away our freedom. Wants to do everything he can to get us interested in somebody else so that it breaks that covenant relationship that we have with the wife of our youth. And it's a picture of the relationship that he wants us to have with with one another and with him. I want to pray. Heavenly Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you're going to help us get our minds around what we've talked about. It's an uncomfortable topic, but God, you're in it. It's all about you. It's all about the relationship we have with you. That's what it's really about. So God, help us to become victorious, to find freedom, to be able to walk through our life with the victory you've called us to have because of the relationship we have with you. Amen.